0: Great story, yeah? Yeah. Uh, man, Renki's awesome. My favorite part is that he runs this organization called Heart of a Hero, and he really makes God the hero. Um, I think is you, that's all you can do and the experiences that he has on a consistent basis and really the ministry that he's called to. Um, <clears throat> it's been fantastic to have him part of this faith community. Um, we've gotten to actually, you guys probably didn't know this who he was, but we've, we've gotten to watch him. We got baptized here and share a little bit of a story. And then um, his fiance was coming here. They're now married, but we got to baptize her as well on their last baptism. She was a spontaneous baptism. So it's just really awesome to see God do what God does in people's life and who they are and how they're used um, for His glory and His honor. And <clears throat> um, Ricky's story's really great and it's um, bigger than that, and, and we get to learn some cool stuff from that. So, we actually invited him in September. He's going to come out here as Spider Man. We're going to sit down and have a conversation about what it looks like. That'll be great. Um, one cool thing that I'm excited about with that is that. Um, That's one thing he hasn't gotten back into yet, is public speaking, and you know he used to speak in huge crowds and stuff, and so it's going to be kind of his first dipping his toes back into this as God's just kind of helping him recover through some things, and so we get to be a part of that. Um, So that's um, at September 16th at the Benicia location. Actually, the week before that, I'll give you a quick teaser. On September 9th, we're going to have Dave Drevecki here, and he's going to share with us, and then the 16th, Spider-Man, and then in October at our um, Bethel location, Um, Spider-Man will be there specifically for um, the San Francisco site. So why did it say Bethel location? Um, So quick update, um, for those of you who haven't heard this, I want to invite kind of our faith community to be praying for this. 30 years ago, um, Bethel Christian Church in San Francisco, they're in Valencia and 24th, right downtown, heart of San Francisco, beautiful area, sent out Ken and Betty Jensen to plant Northgate. And so they started Northgate here in the East Bay. Um, And uh, that's where we find ourselves here today, um, through that uh, launching in Bethel. In this last March, they reached back out to us and uh, asked for some help. They had lost their pastor. They've been going through a bunch of transition. Um, There's a smaller group of people there, and they're really just wrestling with who they are, what God's asking them to be, and how best to do ministry and serve the city well with what they have. And so we've got to do some Paul Bufill, and we've helped them do some worship stuff. And out of that, we've started working through this three-part question. That three-part question is this. How do we reach the largest amount of people possible? Because everybody matters to God, therefore everybody matters to us. As quickly as possible, because what we have is today. And in the healthiest way possible, because healthies Well, unhealthy is not good, (laughs) right? You want to be healthy about it. We want to be good stewards with the resources we have, with the resources their faith community has, and we just don't want a church that has bitterness or brokenness. It's not the grace-filled type of church that's honoring to God and who He is that invites people in. So as we've kind of walked through this topic, God's really invited us into something kind of scary, way bigger than us that's awesome and exciting, but we really want to get good wisdom and discernment through this process. And that is that we're going to be in an intimate relationship, I would say, um, from August through the end of the year with them, really seeking and finding out if we would actually be better together and merge as one and become Northgate Benicia location and Northgate San Francisco Bethel campus. Um, So God's uh, inviting us into this. We're walking through this. We've used this word here before, terracided. We're excited. We're terrified. God's given big dreams of what this could look like to reach the largest amount of people possible. Quickly and in a healthy way. And what I want to do is, I want to invite you um, that's a part of this faith community just to pray and see God and be like, hey, God, give the leaders, give the people who are making this decision, give Bethel and their elders and their membership wisdom and discernment about what the future should look like and how they can reach people for the kingdom uh, in the city, which is just one of the biggest, if not the largest, unchurched area in all of the United States. Um, So, Fantastic stuff, really exciting, nerve-wracking at the same time, I invite you to pray for that. So that's why I would mention Spider-Man will be at the Bethel campus, and we're going to be able to announce some of the different things we're doing between the two campuses there in the city. So that's awesome. Excited about that. We have been um, in this series in July uh, called Summer Soundtrack, and what we've been talking about is hymns, right? For some of you, this is like your mixtape playlist, the hymns that we've been going through. Some of you don't have a clue what these songs are. You've never heard of them. We started the first week with a song called Amazing Grace, uh, and we talked about how grace is amazing, how it's big, and that we have to be able to receive it um, and how important that is once we recognize um, that we need it and then are able to receive it freely as a gift through surrender. The next week, we talked about Come Thou Fount, which is an old hymn. In Come Thou found, we discovered a lot of the same thing, that when we submit um, and when we surrender to God, we get to see really an autobiography of us uh, and the writer um, himself to see where we were in this life, we're in this new life, and because continually we get grace and mercy, um, we can walk and we can live this way. Last week, um, we got to hear about Be Thou My Vision. Um, and Be Thou My Vision was really just this anthem of a vision um, that surrender ultimately is the goal, and it's a daily surrender to God that He would be our vision, and that would be the goal of the day, and that changes things about who we are and our life with Christ. And uh, John even explained it as, you know, we're turning the whole thing upside down as Jesus came here and did. This week, we're talking about It Is Well With My Soul, and then next week, um, Jerry's going to finish it up with Great Is Thy Faithfulness. We're having a big old youth Sunday. We'll have done high school camp, middle school camp just finished. This week's Summer Rama. So we're all about families, and we're going to go nuts. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and then Great Is Thy Faithfulness. So some of you, like I said, you're like, this is my set list. Like, what? we need to sing more hymns. This is truly how you worship the Lord through these songs. Some of you are like, I've never even heard of these songs. It's archaic. Who talks like that? This stuff just sounds weird. It's no fun. Um, Some of you uh, are like, hey, we don't do hymns. We shouldn't do hymns because it's old. We need to like do prodigal style, celebrate, go nuts. Let's get some lights, drums, have a party. And then others of you are like, no, this is not holy. And the Lord loves hymns. So just stop playing everything. Give me some acapella. And a director, to keep me on beat, and let's sing some hymns. And then, you know, like the guys will start brushing out their shirts. It's like real men sing loud, and it's all intense, and we're in this little, like, music war. This is the cool thing that we've learned throughout this series, is that God loves it all. He wants it all. He says, let it all come in my house, because it's all for worshiping Him. It doesn't matter if it's hymns. It doesn't matter if it's just voices. It doesn't matter if it's a rock band. And he shows us all throughout the Bible how he loves it all. It's all worship to, glor- to glorify and honor him. And we get it from the very beginning. They're having like a rock concert in heaven. The angels are way before even any of us existed. Music existed. And worship of God existed. And so that's a beautiful thing that we get to learn is we're all each our own little individual way. God talks to us in all these little special ways. And he gets honored in every way when it's worship to him. So, today we're talking about It Is Well With My Soul. This is one of my uh, favorite songs. This sounds really morbid. I don't know if any of you guys have ever thought like this, but <clears throat> I've like, thought it like, when I die, what do I want people to sing at my funeral? Has anybody else ever oh, thought like that? Okay. A couple of you, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's gross, really. <laughs> like planning it all out. Um, so, this is the song. So, anyways, you, we're going to sing this together. It's going to feel like my funeral. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> Um, I love this song. It's just beautiful, the words in it, and to be able to say it as well with my soul. Um, For many of you, a lot of people connect with this one, but this song is really gross when you learn the story behind it um, and what this man went through and then went on to pin this song and put it onto paper or this hymn, this poem that now we have and we get to sing um, together. So the guy who wrote it, his name is Horatio. That's a pretty rad name right off the bat. It's coming back. Horatio uh, wrote this. He was a successful lawyer in um, the Chicago area, and it was great because he got everything that he needed from that life, being successful. He took his money, invested in the stock market. He also took his money, invested into um, real estate. And uh, then what happened is he had a series of tragic events happen, one right after the other. So in um, 18... Let's see, in 1871, the first great Chicago fire took place, and it burnt down most everything that he owned, Uh, and everyone lost many things there, and he was a part of a church and was part of a humanitarian effort and still came alongside families as everyone tried to recover from this, much of like many of you have done in the past in this region when tragedy has struck in that way around here. So that's the first strategy that happened. The next thing that happens is two years later, the economic crisis known as the Panic of 1873 took place, where he pretty much just lost everything else that he had, right? Everything that he had invested in there. So what happens in your life when things just keep not going well, right? Rains are poor, something else happens. You really decide that you need a vacation, right? We need a vacation. We need a break. We need to get away from this. So he has um, four girls and his wife, and so he plans a vacation. They're going to go over and spend some time over in the England area and uh, take a boat over there, books a trip on a luxury liner. They're all getting ready to leave, and someone contacts him about his business stuff. He had an offer on an investment, and so he needs to stay back behind. So he sends his daughters, his four daughters, and his wife ahead and says, I'll meet you over there. Let me finish this business adventure, and I'll meet you over there. On November 22nd at about 2 in the morning, this is the actual clippings, one of the worst boating accidents took place, which is another steel hauled boat, ran into their boat and sunk it in 12 minutes, 12 minutes. His uh, wife survived, got to the other side and sent Horatio a telegram. This is an actual picture of the actual telegram and it reads, Saved alone, what shall I do? Then his response, which was, "Miss Goodwin, the children are these people. That basically these are our friends. They're in Paris. Head to Paris. I'm going to come over and meet you there. Stay with our friends." Horrific. I cannot imagine. Most of us cannot imagine what it's like to go through this type of traumatic experience and then hear that you stayed back and all of your children lost their lives, and to get a note, saved alone. What shall I do? So he gathered his things. He stayed in a hotel in Chicago before he left, he jumped over to New York, stayed at a hotel to then take a boat over um, to meet up with his wife. And it was on his way over in the middle of the ocean that the captain, captain uh, came to his room and let him know that where they were coming up on was about the place that they believed the boat uh, had sunk uh, earlier that took the lives of so many, including his four children. He went into his room, he closed the door, took out a piece of paper he had from staying at the hotel he had stayed at beforehand, and pinned this song, It Is Well. He didn't draft it many times, there's no scratch-outs, it just is a one-shot knockout. And this is the actual piece of paper right there, the hotel piece of paper where he wrote out this song, It Is Well With My Soul. I don't even know what to say about this. This is awful. I, I don't know how you can be at a place where you've lost something over and over and over again when it just keeps piling up and then this type of loss and you can sit there and you can write words, it is well with my soul. <laughs> I struggle with that, like was it really? What made him be at a place where he could write down these words, it is well with my soul? And we're gonna go through these um, this song line by line, and then I'm going to kind of hang out for the last 15 minutes where I think this song is leading us. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. So he's saying, hey, when times of peace, when there's peace in my life, or when there's sorrows, like it just keeps coming like waves, when, it, when that stuff happens, whatever my lot, whatever is happening to me, thou has taught me to say, thou is God, has taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And then somebody else would be like, it is well. And then be like, with my soul. Like, you guys know the little parentheses things. And the girl's like, it is well. And the girl's like, with my soul. Okay. <clears throat> I might stop that. Maybe. Okay. So then he continued on. Though Satan should buffet, through trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. With my soul, okay. <clears throat> it is. Well. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I'm gonna stop. I'm not John or Jesse. Um, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole. And this is great. If you're a Jesus follower, you get this. And this is what he's celebrating. He knows who God is. It's nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Meaning, like it's oh, that's all done. It has a place, and it's not with me. So praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. It is well with my soul. And then uh, he ends this with a fourth stanza or um, verse that typically we don't sing. We've talked about that for weeks and weeks, about the fourth is the lost. Um, There was actually six. Um, There was a fifth and sixth that was written, but it was years later, and it wasn't by him. That was added, and most people don't sing those as well. It says, uh, this is the more apocalyptic part, kind of the ending of the celebration. You see this in all these beautiful hymns. It kind of tells the life story and then it talks about God's great return. Uh, and it's really beautiful. And the Lord haste the day when faith shall be a sight. Like it's not just gonna be faith in you. I'm actually gonna need to see you and be with you. The clouds rolled back as a scroll. The trumpet shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. How do you get at a place <laughs> when just life's happening, where you can say, it is well with my soul? And so there's a word I want to talk about specifically today to kind of tease this out. And that word is peace. Peace. What is peace? How do you have peace? Have you ever met people that you're just like, <clears throat> they're so discon- they're just happy, they're just like peaceful people, but at the same time you're thinking like, you're just a weird person. You're like a kuna matata all the time. You're so. Are you aloof? Have you seen the news? Like, do you even care about anything? And you're just like, oh man, these people are crazy. You know what they have? Peace. Yeah, yeah. So check this out. This is how peace. People you meet that are happy or in a good place that have peace, they are at peace with a couple different things. The first thing they're at peace with is themselves, right? They don't care what they look like. They don't care what's going on. They're all like camping hair, don't care. Like they're just like, hey man, life is good. Kuna Matata, this is awesome. And you're like, you don't even, you don't even, like your life isn't that great. But they're like, no, it's awesome. And you're like, okay, <laughs> they're at peace. They're not toiling and struggling like so many of us do because we're just not at peace with ourselves. We got to do this and we got to be at this and I have to become this. And they have just said like, this is who I am. This is how God made me. I'm at peace with myself. It's a really special, peaceful place to be. Those people are also, when you have peace, true peace, you're also at peace with others. You're also at peace with others. Um, You aren't angry. You aren't bitter. You aren't seeking revenge. I wasn't originally planning on um, um, expounding on this that much because I really want to hang out with the God part, peace with God, but just for a second. I am here because I'm hearing so much of this conversation about people not being at peace with each other. You know, we've had the whole like love one another conversation. It doesn't seem to be working. Let's have some peace with one another. Well, let me talk about that just for a second. I get in so many prayer requests, so many people who love each other be at war with one another, and it's because of this. We are not coming to the table of reconciliation correctly. Let me give you an example. If you came to me and said, Larry, You said something that offended me and it hurt my feelings. Or Larry, this happened and it hurt my feelings. Your response this way, it hurt my feelings. It hurt me. It bothered me. If my response is, no, it didn't. Are you kidding me? Like, that was a joke. Like, don't be a baby. Suck it up. Or my response was like, how could you be offended? Like, this is what was going on. You don't understand my side? And we jump right to my side. Let me tell you how I really feel, right? you're not sitting at the table of reconciliation. You can't say, you know me, come on, you know that, you know who I am, you know my heart, right? It doesn't work, because you're already saying, no, 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 you're not sitting at the table of reconciliation, you don't even want to hear me, you now just want to talk about yourself, and now we're not at peace. We're budding, right? That's what typically happens, and if you look at Many of our relationships are we look back at them and say, where did this go wrong? It's usually at the table of reconciliation right there. So what does it look like to be at peace with others when it comes to proper reconciliation? It's complete surrender. It's gross. This is what it looks like. Larry, <clears throat> what you said offended me or it hurt my feelings. My response should always be, I am so sorry. That devastates me that you are hurt that I hurt you. If I hurt you, I'm grieving. I never wanted to hurt you. Whether I meant it like that or not, whether it was on purpose or not, that's how you come to the table of reconciliation. Because guess, guess what the response is? When you say, you know what, you are hurt. I can't tell you're not hurt. I can't tell you how you feel. You can't tell me how I feel, right? But when I say, you're hurt, and I wanna recognize that, I hurt with you, I'm sorry. Then you can say this after that. Then you can say, But don't be an idiot, come on. (laughs) Right? And they'll take it, because that's how we are. You can say, like, hey, I'm sorry, I grieve, I shouldn't have done that, I'm hurting that I hurt you. And then you can say things like, you know me, I didn't mean that. And then what do you say? I know, I know you, I just wanted to tell you and it bugged me. Guess what we're at? Peace. We have peace because we reconciled appropriately. So, friends, Let's do some reconciliation. Some of y'all just need to walk on out. You're like, I got my message for the day. Thank you. I'm out. That was the word from the Lord. <laughs> Write that down and go do some reconciling, or you're going to recognize where you need to reconcile right now. And it even talks about that in the Bible. It even says in the New Testament, hey, don't do nothing else. Don't go to lunch. Don't come back to worship service. Don't do nothing until you've reconciled, because it just not having peace with people is not appropriate. You can't have peace if you don't have peace with yourself, others, and finally God. People at peace have peace with themselves, they're at peace with others, and they're at peace with God. How are they at peace with God? Well, because they're in a righteous relationship. And that's what I really want to spend the last little moments of our time together talking about, is how do we have peace with God? This is the really special thing about peace with God, is it does this. Peace with God paves the way to peace with yourself, and equips you, gives you the tools to make peace with others. Peace with God paves the way to make peace with yourselves. Well, how does it make peace with myself? How's it going to help me? We'll do that? See, when we can come to the grips uh, to grips with this idea that God has forgiven me, when we make peace with God and then put our faith in Him, that He's forgiven me, it gives us the right to not not forgive ourselves. Right? We can stop doing that, um, not forgiving ourselves for the past. We no longer, we, when we no longer, um, re, when we realize that God no longer holds our past against us, we find freedom to quit holding our past against us, ourselves. Who typically holds the past against you the most? We do. Yeah, because we were there for all of it. <laughs> it just so happens. I was there when all that nonsense took place. We do that. We're the one caught, you know, daydreaming in the middle of the day with the weird faces as we're thinking about the silly things that's happened on because we're hanging on to it, reacting it. When we realize that we don't have to hold on to that anymore because we have peace with God and we've given that to him, we don't have to hold on to it either, which equals peace with yourself. And then that gives us the tools to make peace with others. Why do you do that? Well, there's a conflict that's involved. I'm going to talk about the conflict for just a second. The conflict is this. Sin. We're just going to call it what it is. I'm going to say it out loud. It's called sin. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you haven't. Maybe it feels taboo because it just feels like, well, Larry, we're being dramatic in church today. We're talking about sin. You know, like it's not, you know, we don't talk about those things. I don't like that either. Sorry, this is my little box. We do this thing. We just don't want to call things what they are, right? We tell everybody. We spin the wheel of adjectives. Everything's good, fantastic, great, awesome, right? You walk up to somebody, how you doing? And they're always like, good, fantastic, wonderful. That's not true. <laughs> My new word is decent. How you doing? Decent. Oh, <laughs> well, that means you're not doing good. Well, I didn't say that, but then they're like, well, I don't want to get into this one because I'm decent myself. <laughs> we don't want to do it. We don't like, but you know, we call something what it is. So here's the deal. Let's call sin what it is. This, this whole idea of there are things in our lives that are unfair but true. Hang with me. Unfair but true. I'm going to use a weird little analogy. I was born in the United States of America. I was born in Santa Clara, actually, in in California. Um, That is unfair and true. Why is it unfair, Larry? Um, Well, because I can only speak one language, kind of, sort of, mostly English, most of it-ish. One language. Why is that unfair, Larry? Well, because most people that are born in other countries outside of America speak multiple languages. Let me give you an example. I have a brother-in-law born in Pakistan. He speaks eight languages. Yeah, that's normal. I don't know if you guys knew that. You go everywhere else, they're speaking multiple languages everywhere. So it's true that I was born in the United States of America, but it's unfair because my brother-in-law will come over and hang out with me and my sister-in-law, and they will I think they might even talk about me Out loud in front of me, not just behind in the door. It's like they're talking about, <laughs> about me, and I was like, "Oh, this is awesome. I don't. I'm I'm born in America. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for that. Okay, unfair, but it's true at the same time. Here's the deal: we all are born into a world of sin. We're all sinners, and people will be like, "That just sounds so dramatic. It's so intense." It's just what it is. It's unfair, but it's true. It's what we get. We were born into sin. We were born into this crazy world. We're a mess. Let's just be honest. We do stupid things. We hurt things often, including ourselves, not on purpose, through this thing called sin. He talks about it in Romans. Uh, this guy, this great theologian named Paul, wrote most of the New Testament, said, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that's unfair. One guy screwed this thing up? And death, through sin... This is what we all get. And in this way, death came to all people. So what do we get? Larry, well, that sounds dramatic. Sin equals death? Yeah, it's unfair, but it's true. Well, how does that work, Larry? Let me explain. Wherever sin shows up, death quickly follows. Let me give you a couple examples. We're born into this world of sin. Unfair, but true. Wherever death... Uh, wherever sin comes in, death follows. Some of you, because of sin, have killed a relationship. hmm Some of you are killing a relationship. Some of you have killed your career. Some of you are killing your body through addiction or other things, through sin. Some of you are killing your relationship with your children. Some of you have killed your relationship with your spouse, with your parents, Wherever there is sin, death follows. Do you understand? It's what it is. It's the world we live in. It's unfair, but it's true. If you look at the things that have caused problems in you, it's because there has been sin and death follows. It breaks it down. It tears it apart. So now, there's sin. Unfair. It's true. It's the world we live in. So now let me talk about your sin. This is where we get real fun. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Real simple. I'm just going to go straight to the point. For some of you, this is why you can't get along with yourself your own sin you can't get along with yourself and your sin has killed so much about you you feel lost you feel broken you feel dead because of sin because wherever sin is death follows soon it says in Colossians 1.13 for he has rescued us he as in God he has rescued us from the dominion from, from this world of sin that we're all in unfair but it's true We're all there with darkness. And he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. So when you have death, what do you need? Rescuing. Unfair, but true. And who's rescuing us? He rescues us. That's how we get peace with God. When we realize that we have sin and this brokenness and we can't fix it, he comes and rescues us. He then says in Paul again, Therefore, since we... Not necessarily all me and you, we, but mostly me and you, we. This is mostly the we that's already put their faith in Christ. But we, those who have done that, those who have said, I'm gonna have peace with God, I'm gonna make peace with God. We have been justified through faith because we've put our faith in him. So therefore we're justified. We're cleaned up. We have peace with God. Say that with me. Peace with God. Yeah. Through faith, we get peace with God Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access. So to summarize that, peace with God begins with faith in Christ. Have you made peace with God? Some of you have not made peace with God. Now, the majority of you have probably already made peace with God. You decided, I'm going to put faith in Christ. I'm going to take him and let him bear all of the weight of myself and my sin my brokenness, the death stuff happening to me, and he's got it. You've made your peace with God. Some of us aren't, though, at peace with God. So some of you need to make peace with God. There's many of us who have already made peace with God, but we aren't at peace with God right now. We're kind of doing our own thing, right? It's not all that well with my soul, right? In uh, 1 John 4.20... It says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoa, what's up with all the harsh Bible stuff today? John, the guy who wrote this, he's like at the end of his life right now. He's an old guy. And I think he's just kind of at this place where he's like, I'm going to say whatever I want. Like, I'm just going to say the truth, right? How many of you guys have a grandparent where you're like, grandma, you didn't have to say that out loud. And she's like, well, somebody's got to tell him. And you're like, we all know it. You don't have to say it, right? You want to know what you want to go a real opinion? Go talk to you know the grandmas and the grandpas. They'll tell you what's up. They don't care. I don't care. I'll let you have it. <laughs> so that's John. We'll we'll call him Grandpa John. <laughs> Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. It's like you lie. Forever, who does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God. Cannot? Yeah, you cannot love God. Whom you have not seen. If you're hating somebody, you can't love somebody. You can't do it, and you can't love God. So if you hate somebody or you hurt somebody, you can't have peace with God. If you hate somebody or hurt somebody or something, you can't have peace with others. If you hate or you hurt something, you can't have peace with yourself. If you hate yourself or you hurt yourself, you're not at peace with yourself. If you hate yourself, well, you hurt yourself, you're not at peace with others. If you hate, you hurt, you're not with God. If you hate, friends, or you hurt, you're not at peace with God, others, or yourself. Don't hate. Yeah? Be at peace. It goes along with the love stuff, but let me just use a different word. Yes, love. Be at peace. That's what it is. Don't hate. It's not hate. So, are you at peace with God? Have you made peace with God? Go to the next one. It begins with faith in Christ, or are you at peace? Have you made peace? Are you at peace? Are you at peace is with God is sustained by submission to Christ. Are you constantly giving it back to him? Are you constantly throwing it back to him? Are you sitting at this side of the table correctly in submission for reconciliation constantly? Are you submitted to him or are you starting to do your own thing? Are you starting to control your stuff? Are you trying to start to say, you know what? I'm going I'm to be at peace with myself because this is what I need to do. Have you made peace with God? Are you at peace with God? Look at the things that you're not at peace about, and you'll start realizing it. A lot of it has to do with sustained submission. If you've noticed or if you think back or you can watch back to all our conversations about these hymns, they're all about surrender and submission. That's where peace comes from. That's where peace beyond this world's understanding. That's how your soul, friends, is well I don't get it. It's because he gives peace beyond our understanding. And When you're at peace with others, you're at peace with yourself, and you're at peace with God, your soul can be well. I, um, <clears throat> I know there are some of you here today that actually needs to put their faith in Christ for the first time. They need to make peace with God so they can have peace. And some of you need to come on back. <laughs> You've been wandering off doing your own thing, and you need to submit back to him. You need to come back. I, um, um, my, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I lost a kid. I mean, like, I really lost a kid one time. I have four kids. I used to have five. It's crazy. No, I'm joking. I, I have four kids. I lost a kid at Disneyland. Elsie was three and a half. Oh, yeah. It's panic. I'm going to tell you the story. You're going to freak out with me. It's going to be great. Um. <laughs> So I lost kid, I got Elsie, we got our four kids, and we're going through and you're constantly doing like the one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four all the time. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. So we got in the bathroom and we come out and it's like one, two, three, four, and a parade was coming by. And so we all stopped to watch the parade. Oh, the parade's coming by. And it's like one, two, three, four. And then I started going one, two, three, one, two, three. wait, one, two, three. And it's like finding an email. It's like Dory all over. like, oh my gosh. So then I said, where's Elsie? Do you have Elsie? And she's like, no, I thought you had Elsie. No, I thought you had Elsie. Oh, we don't have Elsie. It's been who knows how long. So I began to look for Elsie. And some of you guys maybe have lost someone. And it's not even panic. There's a different word <laughs> that happens, especially for the wife. Um, there's a thing that happens in you. It's beyond panic. Everything rises. You start to freak out. So I'm, I'm trying to be a kuna Matata. I'm like, well, I'm going to find her because that's what I do. I'm going to find you. And so I diligently started walking around like I had business to take care of, which was to find my three-and-a-half-year-old at Disneyland that I lost. So I'm not finding her. It's been maybe 10 minutes now. And I'm kind of like doing the, I've already done like the screaming for her name. Like, Elsie, Elsie, oh yeah. And I'm like doing a panic look. I'm walking kind of everywhere quickly. And then kind of giving the wife like, I cannot find her. And then she's doing the, oh my gosh. So now she's like huddled all the kids in the corner. like, you stay there, you don't move. I need to find her. So she starts looking around and I'm jumping around, looking around. And I finally find a secure, oh, I'm like, I'm like, actually do this moment. I'm thinking, I'm going to go out in the middle here and I'm going to take my shirt off and scream. And everyone's going to be like, what? And I'm going to get their attention. i be like, I lost my kid. So everyone's paying attention. It's really weird. It was dramatic. No one wants to see that. I mean, you know, I was a little desperate. I was like, maybe I'll get attention. Look, I got my shirt off. Where's my kid? <laughs> so I finally see like a security guy. And I run up to him and I literally think, we're, I'm one of those people. I don't know if this has ever happened. I'm sure it's happened before. And you're probably going to kick me out. So I started with that. Hey, so like, I don't, I'm sure this has happened before, but I don't know. But you're probably going to kick me out. If we all have to leave, it's totally cool. It's early in the morning. Like, you're probably going to, there's a consequence for this, but I lost my kid. And then he goes, oh, are you Elsie's dad? And I was like, oh my gosh.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, I am. Yeah, where is she at? <clears throat> Trying to be It's He's like, hey, we got her. It's no big deal, babe. And she's like, what? Right, it's literally been almost 20 minutes. <laughs> It's legit. Don't owe me. You got your own loss. Some of you guys, some of you guys are here today, and you're that lost kid. They're still looking for you, but you're happy as a clam. Good old Benicia. <laughs> oh man. So she's walked to the tower of. They're end of the Tower of Terror, which is far away, which I think is actually funny, right? So takes for like ten minutes. She comes back. You know when I found her. And I got to pick her up and I got to hug her. You know what I wasn't? I wasn't mad. I was relieved. I wasn't mad. I was relieved. Some of you haven't put your faith in Christ. And you think, man, I've run off and kind of done my own thing. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the crisis and the tragedies and where I've been and what's been going on. And I want to tell you that you have a dad, a heavenly father. He ain't mad. When you come home to him, he's relieved. And he gives you peace beyond our understanding. Some of you aren't at peace with God because you got busy watching the parade. Now you're in the Tower of Terror. You don't got to wait until the Tower of Terror happens to come back to him. Some of you today need to make peace with God and resubmit back to him. And friends, I'm going to tell you right now, he's not mad. He's standing there like a good father with his arms open. He's relieved. That's where you find peace. That's when you can say, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Would you stand and sing this beautiful hymn together
1: When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like sea And I'm there.
0: peace with God? Have you made peace with God? Some of you need to make peace with God today. And I want to invite you at the end of the service to come up front. There's nothing so dead in your life that he cannot resurrect. There's nothing so lost that he cannot find it. And there's nothing so broken, friends, believe me, that he cannot begin to do his mending work in your life and give you peace beyond understanding. So some of you need to make peace with God today. And I invite you to come up front. There's going to be people that pray for you and allow him to do the transformative work that only he can do. It changes everything. It will change your house. It will change your community. And ultimately, it changes the world as only he can. Some of you need to make, not just make peace with God, but be at peace with God. Are you at peace with God? Come home. Come home today. There's people up front that will pray with you there too. He's not mad. He's relieved. Find some relief yourself and find peace. Uh, if you're new with us, we're so glad to get the opportunity to meet us. Come back, check us out again. Give us a couple shots. Um, I don't always make the best first impression, but we'll have to give it a try. Oh, don't feel bad for me. That's fun. Boomsh, come on. You guys are all sad right now. Jeez, be at peace with everyone. He doesn't like himself. <laughs> Trust me, I do. Um, uh, we'd love to get the opportunity to meet you. If you go out there, there's a new friend's desk. Give me your connection card. Get a friendly face to meet. Pretty much everyone in here will show you where to go, so you don't even need to have a friend. Just say new friends. They'll be like, Pakoo! go get it. Um, and then come back. There's prayer cards for us on the app, too. You can connect with us. Connection cards are on the Sunday services. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and uh, just help us all be at peace with God and who he is. I would love to send you off with a blessing. Um, and we have this posture of just receiving. May you be at peace with God this week, friends. May we be blessed by that peace that only comes from him. And may some of you find relief in that. Um, and may you give that to somebody else. I love you a lot, friends. I will see you next week.